Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So transitioning from being a solo bachelor to settling down into an official marriage is definitely quite a thing. Apart from all the emotional, psychological, lifestyle changes that you have to go through where two assimilates into one, now you really have to sit down and have serious conversations about money. So no more uh, where to go for cafe, what to do into the future, where to travel. Now you really got to sit down and plan your finances. So how should you as a couple plan your finances for a young family? What are some best practices real concerns, trade-offs that we all have to grapple with to create that magical family experience that many may crave deep down. So welcome home as we discuss all these and more. Welcome to a special mini-series of Providential Swift TFC. In this series, we'll be bringing on a team of wealth managers and financial professionals with varied life experiences to share about topics we believe you will be interested in. Definitely, this series is sponsored by Provident, if you cannot yet tell, Singapore's first fee-only wealth advisory firm, meaning all their clients pay them a fixed fee for planning their finances. They do not accept any fees or compensation from product providers at all. And with this model, they believe there will be no conflict of interest. In today's episode, since everybody sees family differently, I think we'll have a great time discussing this. So joining me on this banter about best practices and practical trade-offs, we have a duo that did not start their careers out in the financial world. In Mandarin, we turn this halfway monks, okay? Living their highly paid careers in audit and aviation to join this space of wealth management and financial planning. So let's welcome Chin Yu and Yongcheng, young dads, personal finance enthusiasts, wealth management professionals from Providence. You know, when you're mm. young, you want to do all these things, you're alone, Mm-mm. and then you have a certain way, a certain outlook of life, certain yeah. way to manage your money. Yeah. Right? But then when you transit into the reality of uh, mm. a family, yeah. okay, so now that you have decided to set up a family, mm. two of you come together, whether you have kids or not, that's another big question mark. Yes. How does this whole personal finance strategy then change? Because it's no longer mm. just you, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. You transit, but you cannot fully transit into somebody new. Uh, what I meant is that, for example, you might want to be a bit more prudent in your investment philosophy, but maybe some part of you still want to trade stocks. It's mm. fine. I guess it's about tracking a balance to think about it as uh, what is material for my financial life in, or my financial life, my family financial life in the next five to ten years and then choose something that is uh, a reliable way to get returns. But you can still continue to you know, do use what we call like play money. And probably then we say play money for you to still enjoy that as a hobby, as an interest. Um, yeah, but a lot of things actually started with conversation. Having, I would say, one party will need to initiate that conversation to, to, to spark off, to start thinking about setting goals, to think about how do we structure both your finance together, uh, even think about family goals like you know whether you want a child or not you do you all are planning to have children where do you stay uh, questions like this I have to pop out uh, but I, I will always start off by giving credit to that person who want to initiate that the partner because it's not easy mm. uh, it's not easy to have to talk about money uh, because 
you know, getting together, uh, going to a marriage. I think the first conversation that they will have to talk about money is about wedding budget, mm. right? And that's only, a, I would say, a small part of it. But, it, it, but we have gone through that phase where even if it's a small part, it can create some drama, lah. Yeah. So <laughs> then, uh, then if we get, got some to, money, huh? yeah, some drama, you know, yeah, <laughs> because because that drama is not just you and you, we, my, me and my wife. It also uh, involves two other families, mm, right? Yeah. Mm, mm, so who to contribute? How much? Ang pao? And then you also have who to invite and all this. So some drama, some drama. <laughs> I mean, the drama will stop after the wedding is over. That's drama part one, right? Yeah, drama uh, part and, one. And then, and then all these other things then come in. Yes, yes. So, so it's, it's hard because imagine we need to magnify this topic from wedding, which is a one-day event, to a lifelong conversation about having to set goals for the families, you know, how do we manage the common expenses that are coming in? Uh, I think if we even deep dive into insurance, into how do how do we combine our wealth to invest? Um, these are these are tough topics, man. Very tough. So you think couples should combine their wealth? Um, is, that, is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I I don't think it is a must. I, in my opinion, I think there are two perspectives that could give benefit to combining wealth. Number one, of course, from a financial perspective, is that you know a bigger asset base, you can do more. You know, it compounds faster. Yeah, rather than you know one doing something, the other one doing. Yeah, you don't have really a good idea of uh, what each other are doing. Um, from a relationship point of view, if you combine wealth, more likely you will talk about what do you want the wealth to be. I would say about, for example, like setting goals. Right? Yeah, I think uh, in a marriage, it's good to have a common goal. A couple can work towards too, and it strengthens the marriage. Yeah. yeah. Because you have uh, accountability, you have an accountability partner to say that uh, if I were to spend five hundred on, uh, <laughs> we were talking about iPad on our way here, right? Uh, if yeah. I'm spending the new iPad, <laughs> new iPad, launch yeah, is purple coming, color one, yes, yes, yeah. Then, then you, then <laughs> you start thinking, yeah. Then, then if you were managing your own finance, you, I think the thing is, I just spend now, you know, I spend mm. because it's money that I earn. But if you were to combine together then you will have maybe the couple will have a portion and say that okay the you know this x dollar is savings towards our common goal uh, if i want to buy the ipad then you know i need to find my money somewhere mm. so so then you are accountable to your partner and along the way as both are uh, both accountable to each other i think the relationship gets stronger yeah uh, but in our experience as we are working with clients we also have couples who choose not to plan together and it's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with it. Because number one, they could just be very used to doing it. Yeah. They, they just, you know, for the last 10 years, last 15 years, we are used to it. They might have also some form of planning together, finance, uh, joint account is one. That's quite simple. Yeah. They might also come to a conclusion that maybe uh, my investment philosophy is different from my husband, for example. You know, husband maybe, you know, one spouse like to trade stocks, the other one feel that maybe I, I prefer more safe instruments and all this. Uh, that could also be different levels of interest. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one is more uh, into finance, the other one is not. Um, yeah. So various reasons. Of course. Of yeah. Course. At the but, end but, of the, day, but the reality is, mm. the reality is when you decide to go into a union, yeah. right, two of you come together, you decide mm. to go into a union, Finance is just an extension of the union, essentially, right? right because 
what I'm hearing is like, oh yeah, you can manage together, you can also manage separately, duh, mm. yeah, that's the reality, right? But when you decide to come together, yes. there is some sort of commitment to each other mm. as, a, as a union entity, yeah. you know. But at the same time, how do you retain your individualism? Mm. To me, that is always that that the balance, right? Like, yeah. how do you how do you go about doing it? So I want to hear, like, what you guys think about mm. it because if you manage everything together, yeah, then it becomes um, you are like just committed to this thing already. Like, it's this is a union, and there's no more individuality. Mm. Like, even buy iPad five dollars, you suddenly you think, mm. you know, it's like what kind of it sounds super painful. I mean, rea- reality, I feel like wow, yeah. so painful. But then if you manage separately, then you know, there's not really feel like this is an extension of this like marriage and family and whatnot mm. right so what do you think so personally i don't think that you really need to combine uh and you know it doesn't mean that by not combining it's not an extension so this not only applies to finance but mm. it also applies to anything yeah, yeah. you know uh, your wife likes to exercise you like to sleep at home you know your wife likes to eat a certain diet uh, but at the end of the day you know you you want to have this common understanding on where are we heading. So I would say, you know, firstly, when you're transitioning from an individual to a couple, is that you you want to have this change in mindset. You're moving from a single unit to a a family unit. And, you know, you got to recognize that your decisions actually impact uh, another party. And Mm. even more so if you have uh, kids. Mm. Yeah, so Mm. it's always a question of, okay, Mm. you know, if you're going to plan together, how is this going to impact? Uh, us as a family. If you want to plan separately, and you know, uh, if you if you want to, one party wants to work until sixty five. He wants to spend more now on gadgets, whereas the other party wants to retire as soon as possible. Uh, as long as I feel you have this open conversation, uh, I feel that you want to still plan. You know, at the end of the day, the plan can be separate. You know, when it comes to execution, it can be together. It can be separate. I think that's fine. But mm. the main thing is you want to be open, you want to be honest with one another and you want to sort of define goals because you still want to respect this individuality. Mm. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't mean that marriage means that, okay, you know, you follow my style or I follow your yeah. style. Yeah, but I always feel the communication and the honesty with one another mm. and sitting down to plan together, uh, it's very important. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree with Chin Yu. I think... Uh, union is uh, in substance that's most important rather than uh, forcing uh, union in the form you know like if both parties are not happy not comfortable putting wealth together then in a sense this is a form right putting money together is a form but if like Chin Yu mentioned if there's no communication no understanding about where this is going uh, it's, it's not going to work it's not going to work so it's important to have union in substance more than form yeah, but although I would mm. say, you know, there are certain aspects that you can't run away from planning like together. What? Like what? Yeah. Children, you know. Okay. Yes. It cannot be... Okay, so for example, you know, if you say one party wants to go spend a lot of money on iPads and the other wants to save more money f- so that this person can enjoy more yeah. and spend more in the future, I think that's possible. But it's not possible to say, okay, I want to... I, I want my daughter or my son to go a certain direction whereas the other party you know, has other other plans for him. So I think, you know, children is one example. Uh, how much you want to spend on education, this can vary quite quite a bit. You know, preschool mm. itself can range from a few hundred dollars a month to a few thousand dollars, all mm. the way to tertiary education. Uh, y- these are the ones that usually we would recommend to really sit down 
and figure out how do we okay firstly what what do you want to what do you want to achieve and then how do you want to get there mm. because essentially if you think about it there's a myriad of like goals right, out mm. there you can you can achieve all these different things that you want to achieve right and um, choices is is a thing these days right there's a lot of um, possibilities out there right? and we cannot we cannot discount that mm. and exactly when you're talking about it right, i just want to be clear that you know there are a lot of perspectives in yeah. this in this uh way of mm. planning family finances again everything be together separate half half 30 50 whatever right you know mm. so so there are a lot of ideas here and you know we we can talk about perspectives and you know it's best practices and not so much about like oh you should just do this or yeah. no this is like wrong and uh, and all those kind of things right mm-hmm. but on that basis of wanting to plan anything that is a plan has a goal right there must be a goal that we're trying to head towards mm. so when we come together in in this you know marriage what are some common goals that people plan for i think the very common goals uh, i mean kids like you pointed out kids yeah mm-hmm. correct so, you know, kids is one, we are talking about, you know, major goals. So mm, kids, mm. Uh, expenses, that's one. Uh, of course, you know, everybody needs to retire one day. Uh, it's not possible for you to keep working. So I think that's uh, the other... I, ch- I challenge that notion. <laughs> but, but that's a long, long story for another day. Huh? Really? Can you keep another working episode. forever? <laughs> wow, no, I mean, you sometimes know? it's uh, involuntary, you know. Uh, 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 sometimes uh, uh, uh. you want to keep working forever, but... Then you don't call that retire, you call that retrenchment. <laughs> Financially no, no, no. dependent. Situational, uh, situational. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes okay, it's okay. Uh, old age. Okay, yeah. Okay. So you know, I, I mean, I, I know people who are working at the age of eighty over years old, and they enjoy it. But that's mm. also provided that they have the the physical capacity to actually, mm, you know, mm, continue mm, on. Mm, yeah. Mm. So sometimes things happen. So at least you want to have a, a certain plan. Mm. Yeah. But even then, you know. Um, these days, there can be quite a range of different perspectives. Yes. You know, sort of gone are the days where people just accept that you're just going to uh, work until, you know, the government's retirement age and yes, then you yes, enjoy. Yes. You know, some people want to retire early, uh, mm. but that requires trade-offs. Uh, so, you know, if uh, there are any, as I suppose, very significant perspective, you probably want your other half to, to know about it as well. Mm. You know, I think the main thing is that you don't want surprises to, to come along the way. Mm. But you think surprises will come along? Okay, my, my view is, right, during your dating period, you guys probably should already talk about it already. So at some point in time, right, surprised. you should have clarity. <laughs> really, really, tell me more. Tell me, huh? Give me some examples, like like personal experience, friends, clients, whatever. You know, what 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 surprise some of these people like after they come together? Like, eh, I didn't know my partner actually won this. No, I guess I guess dating pe- I mean of course when you we were in the dating phase, there is mm. the honeymoon phase, right? <laughs> the first three months, first yeah, three where years. Where you want to eat, which cafe you want to go, yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. Correct, correct. <laughs> I think then 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 that's 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 like you right point earlier. You know, one partner could say, Okay, I mean I'll just let let it be, let it be, you know. I'll just uh, make my my girlfriend or my boyfriend happy and then I'll just do it. Uh, then, because it's not that serious per se, because it's purely dating, right? Uh, but just now, like how we started this conversation, once you transit into, and what Chinyu mentioned, transit into two individual units into one uh, union, uh, two people make decision and it will impact the other one, then different things start coming up. Like, you know, things like money values. Because in the past, I could be spending my own money, you know, I won't buy this bag, maybe mm. buy gadget. I think it's fine. Mm. But if uh, once you get together in a union, uh, then money values, having whether is it 
too far apart. Or whether if, if it's too far apart, can you all come to a kind of a common understanding of how you uh, want you know money to be to be working out in your family life? I think that could have some surprises because of course we have people who say this is my money, ma. I work so hard for it. I spend. Uh, I, I think that's quite a narrative. Yes. Correct. Yeah. 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 So I work so hard for it. I spend. I think it's fine as long as I am putting aside X dollar to put joint fund. I think it's fine. You know, I'm doing my part. Then the other partner could be the more prudent one. Maybe he he put X dollar, similar amount, but he's probably doing more savings on the side. And then you come to a stage where then, eh, whether when we want to talk about having the option to stop working or having the option to say stop work so that I can have some one parent to be at home for the kids, then the money thing starts floating up. Because mm. one would maybe say that, yeah, you know, I'm putting a lot into this thing and uh, maybe the other one have not saved much yeah so sometimes it can be difficult because uh, when we handle couple clients sometimes we do see quite different thing mm. uh, different mm. level of savings uh. and then when we go deeper into understanding their money values and uh, then you, you see all these things start floating up this could be a surprise to either party when they come together but uh, sometimes you maybe they just learn to accept it and then they do more on their part if they are having a good career. I think if they are, everything is smoothly going along the way, then I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the pandemic taught us that things might not go our way, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. So then some of these money issues might start floating up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if my job is in, unstable and then, you know, somebody got to, one of the partner might have to, you know, pick, pick the rest. Uh. These are, like what Chin Yu mentioned, these are not talked about earlier on, then it becomes difficult when, uh, when things that you have not planned for happen. I think mm. maybe maybe I can share a personal story. Yeah. So mm. uh, growing up, uh, you know, initially both my parents have been working. So along the way, because my mom wanted to uh, help me in my studies, uh, she left her career to sort of support me. Uh, so, you know, my, my, my dad was the sole breadwinner. So of course, continue working. And then uh, I remember one day when he came back and he, he, say, he said that, um, he has has enough of his job, you know, and actually that came as a as quite a big surprise to mm. to my mum. Yeah, I don't know whether they are, they're going to hear this, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're going to hear this. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. I remember it quite clearly that mm. there was quite a bit of stress, uh, mm. especially on my mum's side. You know, mm. I, I suppose I sense that you know, in a way, then questions like, okay, you know, if you're going to leave the career what's going to happen to all the bills? Do we have enough for retirement? And I remember in the end, she, she broke down crying. But mm. of course, then we sat down together to try to... Uh, I mean, they sat down together. I was still... I can't remember how old was I. Uh, and they, they, they worked out a plan for it. Yeah, but when it, you know, really comes as a surprise, those are big decisions. You know, to suddenly say that uh, I'm going to stop working uh, just like that. Mm, mm, mm. And, and that, that's um, it's quite a typical story, right? Out there when people go through this process of, you know, discovering what they actually like, they go through their career switches, meet career change. It, it's a very real thing, you know. And today, of course, a lot of families are dual income, mm. you know, and, you know, sometimes with kids, some one parent want to take a back seat, you know, whichever side and all that, right? So, so those are some, some realities that uh, people struggle with, right? And we're not trying to 
oversell certain sob stories, right? In the sense that, you know, we don't want to over, like, oh, yeah, this, yeah everything is a possibility, right? Mm. Everything, because your lifestyle, things will change, you know, and many, many things you cannot control, right? Like, yes. like, like pandemic, like yep. retrenchment, yep. company seismic shift, whatnot, right? But at least based on our preliminary talk, I think there are a few things that people are concerned about, right? Like kids, Mm. Retirement, you know, maybe housing. Housing, yes. Right. So these are probably the three things that Singaporeans always talk about, lah. Right. Every time yeah. I post these three content, sure, a lot of people listen, lah. Right. Because <laughs> these are the things that people care about locally, so we cannot lie to ourselves. Yeah. Um. What are some things that you guys think is, is a good practice? Let's say we start with uh, housing, because I I feel right the process is housing kids retirement. Yeah, in Singapore, at least that's kind of it. Sounds like that's how it is, right? In, in the modern, I would say it's life, housing you know. marriage. Housing, marriage, marriage. <laughs> then kids. Kids. Then... BTO first, right? Okay, okay. Uh. <laughs> BTO, then we talk about Wait, marriage. is that how you propose? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, marriage, uh, uh, traditional guy. Traditional yeah, is yeah, what? Yeah. New down, like, with, uh, with ring, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got picture. Uh, okay, yeah. okay, 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 okay. Can I give you up? <laughs> yeah, uh? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think when we talk about housing, I think, again, conversation. I think mm-hmm. having an understanding. Uh, while I think it's prudent to start off with uh, public housing, PTO or resale, uh, I, I guess it's also good to understand from each other what is their property aspirations. Because, uh, for example, mm. one, one of the partner might grow up in a landed property. Mm. Uh, I do have clients who say, you know, they grow up in landed property. Uh, it's where they have their childhood. They have a big garden to run. And one day, I would want envision my children to be uh, like me and the past a big garden, I grow up, uh, and then, uh, you know, when everybody comes back, you have a good space. So they might start out with some uh, public housing, uh, and then slowly they envision themselves having a, a estate or landed property. So then maybe the other partner grow up in, a, in public housing all the way, you know. So again, like we talk about, it's good to have a conversation to try to understand each other's property aspirations. Ultimately, at the end of the day, property is one huge asset that yes, you can yes. never escape. It's going to be a big chunk of your balance sheet. And it is usually commonly funded together, you know, both parties having to pay it together. So, so I, I think it's important to have that conversation about both uh, property aspirations uh, but of course, you can get a sense of how how it is like in, through their childhood. Mm. I think property, yeah, I mean, aspirations is one thing, but at mm. the end of the day, it's about being realistic. Yeah. Uh, what you can afford. You know, I mean, these days, I actually have quite a, uh, quite a lot of uh, conversations with clients about property uh, for some reason. So <laughs> property, I mean, two main things that we look at. You know, one is the upfront cost. Mm. So you've got your lump sum down payments, your stamp duties, uh, your renovation costs if you need. Uh, that can be quite substantial, you know, depending again on your property aspirations. And the other one is your cash flow. Mm. So you want to be realistic about your cash flow. You know, um, typically we always recommend, okay, try to keep it within 30% of your monthly income. 30%? 30%. Okay. Yeah. Of course, you know, if you want, you know, you can stretch it further. But, you know, of course you do have your other expenses. Yeah. And it's quite, uh, it's quite dangerous if you overstretch yourself because you you never know, you know, where, uh, for example, a pandemic hits, what happens if your, you know, your income... Everything is pandemic these days. <laughs> yeah. it, it never was a thing. Before pandemic, it was 08. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cared about pandemics in the past. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Before yeah. pandemic was global financial crisis. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. whatever the crisis might be. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I get your point. <laughs> <laughs> I get your point, yes. Yeah, so I, I think you always want to be realistic. You want to be prepared that, you know, if something happens, you know, okay, so even if the income stops, would you have, you know, a buffer to sort of sustain these, uh, you know, say mortgage repayments mm. uh, as and when they come along, even if, you know, for a short time, you, you don't have you don't have an income or you don't have a, a job yeah because once you start you know stretching yourself once you start planning based on okay I'm going to I'm going to have an increase in my salary mm. then you start thinking about you know uh, affordability from a future income point mm. of view which is not here yet so there's a lot of um, expectations adjustments right? in, in that sense. Right? You have all these aspirations. Right? First time I hear property aspirations, but okay, if you have aspirations of you want to own a big property, but then there's some realities that then you have to kind of balance right. that off. right? So fundamentally, it comes back to the question of trade-offs. Right? What are you willing to trade out of it? Yep. right? And maybe in a housing setting, people are more willing to trade. Lah, right? Um, I mean, here, there's not a lot of choices, but what about kids? Right? Kids is that... that touchy, touchy thing that, you know, mm. like, we have, because we're talking about family planning today, right? So, mm-hmm. we definitely, wanted to talk about this thing called, like, kids. Like, how many kids? What are the costs? What's the reality? So, for, for everyone that's trying to look at, you know, having kids or entertaining this idea, you know, what do they need to think of? So, in terms of, I think, uh, the expenses, you know, same thing, I suppose, you know, what do you aspire, you know, your kids to have? Uh, so, uh, education is usually the big, the big mm. one. Give us some frameworks. How yeah. how to aspire? Mm. So I, I think um, you know education. For example, what what sort of uh, preschooling uh, would you expect uh, to provide for your children? Because today it's such a wide range. You know, you can go from government type of preschool childcare arrangement. You know, few hundred dollars, or you can go to international schools. You can go to sort of a much higher end private uh, preschooling, and the cost can go up to two to three thousand dollars, and and that's not a small sum. You know, one year you're talking about twenty four to thirty six. Montessori, Montessori, those kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I was like, wow, Montessori, new name, ah, huh? but yeah, the two three thousand a month. <laughs> yeah, correct. So I think <laughs> you really want to get on the same page as to firstly, you know, f- firstly, can you afford? Mm. Uh, secondly. Uh, I suppose, you know, why do you want to spend this money? Uh, is it, you know, how important is this uh, to you? Yeah, because, you know, we're talking about 30 over 1,000 a year. You then talk about, you know, you're actually trading off a lot of other things uh, in your life. But that's probably not the biggest ticket, right, when it comes to, you know, education. The, the last one, which is the university, is the, is the thing that more people, I think, they grapple with. Yeah, mm. so you know, so because everything in between is relatively public funded, right? Like primary school, secondary school, yep, JC, yep, yep. or mm. you know, if you go to a poly, it's it's a little bit more expensive, more private. But you know, it's still not crazy. But mm. hey, when you get to the uni, right? You know, okay, do, do you guys know the inflation rates for uni fees? Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I don't know. And then some, some thoughts there. Internally, we use 6% in terms of the inflation. Yeah. Yeah, internally, in terms of data. I mean, we, in terms the of the data, data we track. run, mm-hmm. we track. Uh, we, we, have, we have been using 6%. And uh, yeah, you're right. The the tertiary education piece is a big one, mm. uh, and it's good to start talking about it uh, as early as possible. Uh, while we know that for guys it's 21 years down the road, mm. for ladies it's eight. If you have a daughter, 18 years down the road. Uh, Wait, it, so so are you telling me that right to plan for family, you know, even all the way up to like tertiary education, I should talk about it right from the get go. I, with my partner, I think sense. I think I think it's it's warming up. You have to warm up to the topic, on <laughs> no, right? Uh, I mean, Chinu talked about preschool and all this. Uh, it's something very close to you. Yes. You can kind of envision and mm, you can mm. see, and also that it's also a phase, right? Yeah. When can your I friend talk about cafe movie, right? Must yeah. must go into that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, iPad, <laughs> oh, iPad, yeah. Uh, you know, because preschool, because you will have friends who have went ahead of you. Mm. Yeah, right? Yeah, friends, uh, you click on <laughs> front the... Front runners. Yeah, front the front runners. runners and then they go first and then you look at... Yeah, then then this are... Uh, then IG story, you see, mm. hey, oh, move on mm. really. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> Congrats and move on. But then, you know, these are, these are avenues that... Uh, opportunity to start talking about preschool. Um, of course, the, the uni part, right? The tertiary part, I think sometimes it's useful to have a third party to come in. Uh, because, like you say, it, it's not a topic that you on the get go you talk about it. Mm. Uh, but sometimes, if you talk to a financial advisor, then this kind of topic start coming to you because you know, of course, sometimes it's on sale, sometimes it's more of the planning part. But it, then the the topic start coming in. If you you say let's aspire our children to be locally educated, I think it's quite subsidized. Uh, living expenses is also not very high in Singapore. Uh, rather, if you manage your expectations, um, <laughs> I think that is quite okay. Uh, of course, we do have clients who are, uh, you know, educated overseas, and then they see the benefit of uh, being exposed to multiculture, to being ex- being able to live independently away from your family, and then, you know, they come back being a more 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 resilient person. So then they might say, let's give our children the option to be able to study in Australia, UK, US. Then, again, we go back to trade-off. Lo, because mm. uh, you want to be able to put aside that X dollar of money at a certain age. And not forgetting that these are goals that you concurrently need to plan towards together with your retirement. Yeah, sounds right? like a lot of things. Yeah, it's, yeah. So when we put all the money together, when you put the sums together, when we put the calculation together, and then we chart it out, then it becomes quite stressful. Mm, and mm. if I'm it, just hearing, I already like, wow. Yeah, so, uh, wow. <laughs> so many things to, to, to look forward to, right? Yeah. Okay, so, so then yes. there's this part about, mm. you know, choice, essentially. Um, because like what you said, right, it's so yeah. overwhelming. There's so many things to think of, mm. kids, education, retirement, housing, all these things, right? But for a lot of people, when they go into a union, mm. it, these things are not like, I don't really care, right? Maybe, yeah. so, oh, do I really want kids? I don't know, question mark. Do I yeah. need a house? Yeah, I need a house, you know? that That's something that I, I know I need. Yeah. Do I really know when I'm going to retire? Nah, I don't know, you know? like So for a lot of people, it's, it's not a thing. It's not very high up their priority mm. in terms of management. But possibility is, oh, maybe 
five years down the road, I will entertain this kid idea. Right. So then how do I manage this from a financial standpoint? Yeah, I, I think you're right. La. I think for layman, <laughs> it's something that is something that is not in your face yet. Yeah. Sometimes as financial planner, we also ask ourselves, are we the oddball who keep thinking about our future? You know, having to chart out all these things to make sure that having things are Having to chart right. out, I think you're oddball, really. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, 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 so it's like, itself. are we the only group of people who are in <laughs> yes, yes, think, yes. talking about all these things and then uh, the world out there is actually just happy with Yeah, just yeah. living your life, right? Every yeah. 25, you, you just kind of came out, you try, you jump a few career and then yeah. you, you jump a few jobs yeah. and then you settle down. It's like, okay, maybe this is my career, right? And then you get a partner and then you entertain this house. But it's, nobody like, what, well, everything also chart, you know? Yeah. 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 So, so, so that's why, that's why at the at the start I always say I think the the partner who want to start talking about all this has to deserve a big pat mm. on your shoulder respect respect mm. because you know they have the mute question and so I'm not an oddball who you know things are okay why should I ask <laughs> this and start talking about all these things mm. uh, and sometimes during our sessions our clients about you know discovering about their life their priorities and all this we ask questions and uh, they do share that. These are things that we don't talk about on a day-to-day basis, right? You know, uh, but uh, it, it's good to have somebody sit down and you know talk about it and verbalize it. I think that's most important. Uh, yeah, you're right. The part about not thinking yet, I think, is common. Uh, we often feel that we are odd, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but we continue to be the oddball to you know kind of advocate people to start thinking about it because. Uh, yeah, life throws us or, or throw curveballs and mm. we want at least you don't do anything but at least you men- you are mentally prepared to to handle it if if it happens. Yeah. Like you say, kids, right? Suddenly come what to do? <laughs> you don't have the info kit on there, you know, you start scrambling for what to do, what to buy, you know. Yes, yeah. Yes, so yes, it's yes. yeah. Yeah, I I think it's quite normal also. Uh I mean we always say planning is good because you know, I mean, earlier when we talked about tertiary education, you can see that it really ranges, you know, very, very big. Mm-hmm. Uh, what at the end of the day you want to achieve. For example, you know, some people say, you know, I don't, want, I don't even want to provide uh, or support my children's tertiary education. He can take a loan. I've taken a loan. He can take a loan. I don't need to build up. I yeah. focus on my retirement. Um, you know, there's no wrong also. While on the other end, you know, you have people who want to, you know, cater for all the way to medicine, you know, to the US. Uh, of course, individually, you want to understand uh, why that is so. Uh, because I've seen before in certain cases, uh, you know, s- somebody who is uh, educated in the US doesn't want the children to go to the US to be educated. Yeah. So while we always advocate doing planning, you know, again, it's, it's very, very normal to not have a clear idea, you know, exactly what sort of goals you're trying to achieve. So if that's the case, you know, we always would recommend at least, you know, you still want to be prudent. You know, if you say, um, I'm not sure whether I would be having a kid, but in the future, uh, maybe say three to five years time, uh, I might, you know, we might start thinking of children. So you already think about, okay, then what sort of expenses would I, you know, start to incur? So even, you know, things like your... Uh, I mean, don't even talk about upfront costs like delivery, your ongoing cash flow, you know, you need to buy diapers, uh, milk powder, you know, <laughs> then after that, tertiary education, mm. and not tertiary education, the uh, preschooling, Preschool. you mm. know, it's already at least, you know, 500 to 1,000 more. So at least, you know, you, you want to set uh, yourself this buffer uh, in your cash flow. And at least, you know, you, you save it up uh, for 
sort of uh, you know potential future goals. So mm. it could be like a like a backup or like a, a separate pot of money mm. that you're building. So up. it's like a dumping fund, right? You just put the money there, like collectively, you know that you're gonna build a future. But you don't know what you're gonna do with it first. Maybe, maybe after you collect, c- accumulate like fifty, hundred thousand, you have enough of this place, and you want to buy some like small little sh- house mm. in some part of Thailand, and you live there. It's also fine. You, know? you can get something like that. You know, yeah. through that. So, I, you're, tra- you're trying to tell me to, as a union, you, you guys should, you know, put some money aside for all these kind of future things that you have not planned for. Because the fundamentals of planning is you must have a goal. Yep. You know, but because the life is fluid, you don't have a goal yet. But till then, you should still kind of put some money aside in mm. that sense. Yeah. I mean, I always feel that rather than, you know, when the time comes, then I need to cut down my expenses. Yes, I need it's to very painful. Because you're going to make up for the time, right? Especially yeah. like what Yong Cheng say, ah, got kid already, you know, that kind of... <laughs> like, yeah. You're going to make up in a short time it's going to be very hard. Exactly. Can, can you paint us some picture? Like, what is the average cost, you know, if I'm trying to get a kid, right? Mm. If you're not trying to get like, like okay, I already got a kid, <laughs> then, you know, we're going to go through this whole process, maternity, mm-hmm. delivery, and hospital, everything, right? Mm-hmm. What is the average cost? You know, we're not, we're not talking about Glen Eagles or what, right? We're just talking about mm. average, right? So help me paint a little bit of picture there. What is the, what is the color there? Like, how much does it cost to have a kid here? Just to get okay. it out, uh, yeah. and you know, make sure the mom has some confinement time, yeah. <laughs> not not the raising part yet. Yeah. Yes. So I have a two year old, mm. uh, going three. Uh, we went through the public hospital route, uh, mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but it's a hybrid. Uh, so you can have the public hospital route whereby you go through say NUH KK, and then you don't get to choose your gynae, uh, which means you you know you, you let the doctor whatever mm. schedule they schedule you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's much cheaper, uh, but I don't know the cost. I haven't really calculated. But made my, for myself, I went through the hybrid, which means I choose NUH as the hospital. Uh, you can also choose KK, but I choose the gynae. So my wife uh, and I we decide. And I think we are comfortable with this gynae, and then then we become kind of like a private patient in a public hospital setting. I think in total, if we add it all up, it's about three thousand to four thousand plus. Uh, of course, then the next level is where you. Right on, on onset, you go to the pri- private gynae, private hospital. Uh, that will probably be 10, 10 at least. Good to put aside about 10. Uh, 10 is assuming you have a smooth, normal delivery. Uh, of course, if it's an emergency sack, you know, you will have maybe, uh, of course, choi choi, then no pregnancy complication, extra day of inpatient staying in hospital, that, that could rank up the cost. Uh. Yeah, so that... This, I would say that's the ballpark. Yeah. So that's just delivery, yeah. Really. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You talk about stroller, they talk about <laughs> I think, uh, another episode. <laughs> I, so, I, mm. I can share my experience yeah. uh, because I'm on the other side. Mm. You know, I'm all the way till private hospital, yeah. try to do uh, normal delivery, but ended up emergency C section. Yeah. Mm. So mm. that's okay. the, You're the, the most expensive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I track every single cent of my expenses and I know I As spend. I should expect. Yeah, you plan everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not normal. <laughs> as you, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, but I spent about 20,000. 20. 20,000, mm, okay. including your, you know, uh, pre-delivery checkups, you know, mm. medicine and all mm. that. Uh, 20,000 is on the higher range. Uh, but of course, you know, if everything's smooth, public hospital, normal delivery, probably 2,000, a mm. couple of thousand. Yeah. Uh, 
or even lesser. Yeah. yeah if I okay, that's it's, cool. It's quite okay. It's mm-hmm. quite okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite heavily subsidized. Yeah. If but you go to public, because they want you to have more kids, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so then the question will be about uh, maternity insurance. Then do I need to, you know, get maternity insurance? Okay. So maternity insurance is essentially uh, insurance you buy. Uh, it's kind of like a one-off insurance that covers the wife and the child uh, in the event of, say, pregnancy complication. And then there are certain criteria. Of course, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so there are certain criteria that you have to meet before they pay out the lump sum. So typically, you can buy a, a maternity insurance that pay out a lump sum of 5000 10000 usually not more than that. Um, and uh, it's... It's a term plan <laughs> because mm. you pay and then you get cover and you can you can buy it as early as when your wife, uh, the pregnant wife is 13 weeks all the way and it covers you beyond uh, after deliveries. So it's a term plan uh, essentially. Mm. What's, and the, what's the average cost? Uh, usually it's broken down into different bands. Uh, so you have the pre-35 year and the post-35 year kind of premium. Uh, mm. uh, but mm. the payout is the same. 5000 or 10000 depending mm. on how you pay. Mm. Like For example, it can cost about 300 uh, for a $5,000 lump sum payout, mm. uh, then it can actually go some range towards uh, $1,000. Yeah. But of course, the question that you ask is need or not. Yeah. Right? Then again, we ask ourselves uh, if you were to pay a premium to get a $5,000 lump sum, can you self-insure? Always we go back to the question of you buy insurance to insure. If, if there's an option for you to self-insure and you can have the ability to do so, then do you need to get insurance to you know, mm, cover, right? Mm. So I think that's the question. If one were to say that, actually, I think I have emergency funds who can cater for this kind of scenario, then I might not need the expenses uh, to, to fork out the expenses to buy the insurance. So what kind of scenario in, in terms of complications? I, I would say that uh, maternity insurance, there are different ways you can get it. There are the standalone one where mm. you just purely buy a... Yeah, that was actually my next question. Yeah. Because there's a lot of package deals these days, right? Yeah, and I'm yes. generally very adverse to package deals. You know, mm. it's like how Singtel sells you Wi-Fi, phone, <laughs> SMS. Like, who the hell uses SMS, you know, these days? So I think in the financial space, there's a lot of structured products that go down this path also. Yes. And then they will tell you that, oh, this is more expensive because oh, you cover maternity, cover blah, mm. blah, 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 everything. I was like, really? Do I need all these things? I don't even know what's my life going to look like. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so what, what, what is the then, you know, should we buy mm. insurance separately, even through this process of, you know, childbearing and then like facilitating the kid and all that, mm. you know? So, uh, the maternity insurance are usually sold either standalone, you buy and then you, once the period is over, your insurance coverage ceases. all right? So, you can also have the option to buy as a rider with mm. a whole life plans, IR investment link policy, sometimes maybe term plan. Yeah, so typically, if you buy it as a rider, your premiums will be lower. Mm. Because bundle, right? You say mm, bundle, mm. usually the, the package is better. I think the question to ask ourselves is that uh, if today, do I need the main plan, whole life investment link policy uh, or a term plan for my child? Uh, even though the maternity insurance, if I deem it's useful for me, is it? Is it worth paying? I think first thing first, whether you want that maternity insurance in, in the first place. If you want, then you think about whether buy a loan or you buy a bundle. Uh, of course, from Providence standpoint, we, we see insurance as a form of protection. For a child, I think the need to protect them for death is not that high because assuming if the child were to pass on, 
they don't have dependent. Uh. Yeah. Uh, in terms of critical illness as well, I think to us when we look at critical illness is really about a form, it's a, actually a form of income replacement. If I can't work, I need certain X dollar to help me tie over this period. Again, if we think about it from a child perspective, there's really no need for it. Uh. Unless you want to buy a whole life plan really as a gift for them to ensure uh, insurability for the rest of their life. But that being said, you might not need to buy a very big plan. Yeah, maybe a small plan will do. Uh, if Again, coming back if you need a maternity insurance. In our opinion, I think for a newborn, for a kid, I think the first thing that is very important to do is to quickly get them onto the integrated shoe plan. Yeah, mm. I, I always tell my clients, you know, once it's the 35th, 36th week, uh, start filling out the form already. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because once tell the child is born... Why? Huh? why? Why? No, I think because whenever we buy into hospitalization plan, I think the fear that we have is always, uh, are we going to be excluded from certain coverage from pre-existing illness? Yeah, so, so sometimes after the child is born, things can be very fluid. Yeah, so you want the child to be covered uh, in full as soon as possible. Yeah, so you can always pre-populate the form, few sign, uh, <laughs> make yeah, predetermine the name. You mm. know your name. Then once the IC number is ready, then pop, and then send it to your agent to get this done as soon as possible, so that the child can get cover, get insured as soon as possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so integrated shield plan is essentially a hospitalization plan. Yes. For yes. the kid. Yes, yes, that's uh, about a level right. up yeah. because a lot of names. Ah, want to get some clarity ah, here. Do, do, do. Yeah. Okay, okay. Mm. Yeah, I can share my own uh, mm. journey. La. So I've got a six-year-old this year. Uh, when my wife was pregnant, we're considering okay maternity insurance. So same thing, you know. Well, it's going to cover five to ten thousand uh, dollars. Is it going to cripple me? That's the first question. Mm. But I think maternity insurance, uh, more than the the five or ten thousand dollars, is going to cover. Is this? Uh, guaranteed insurability of uh, this whole life plan. Mm. And then the next question, you know, is what Yong Cheng says, do you need this whole life plan? So typically, you know, these are the questions you want to ask yourself. Do you really need this? Uh, in some cases, there's no real right or wrong. Uh, so say, for example, I've also met uh, couples who say that, you know, although we say that the child is not an income earner, if the child passes on, you know, we are not, we are not losing any form of income. But the couple say that, well, if my child really passes on, I won't be in a mental capacity to be working. So I wish to have, you know, for example, this that sum is of a money. Perspective, yes. Correct. Yeah. So I always thought that, that that's a good perspective. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one way to think about it. Mm. If that's really something that you feel that, okay, you, are, you want this lump sum to cover you for one year so that you have this option to stop working, then by all means, go for it. But of course... Uh, it's never free, you know, you of have course. to pay for it. Of course. Yeah, so then coming on to the second part on the uh, the hospitalization plan. Uh, the thing is, I've also looked into it, you know, does a maternity insurance plan, does it give you guaranteed insurability for a hospital plan? And the answer was no. Mm. And personally, I made the mistake of not getting the plan that, uh, immediately for my daughter. So uh, my daughter has a small heart, uh, a slight heart murmur mm. or small hole in heart so after that it was quite difficult to find uh, an insurer that you mm. know that's willing to accept her number one and uh, finally we got one but uh, it was with uh, exclusions uh, embedded into the policy okay so two mm. things I want to ask right what is guaranteed insurability and how does the exclusions work okay so exclusions mean that you know, if you have pre-existing so conditions because of the heart 
So then yep. they will exclude some of these things that they will protect. Correct, correct. So they will say that, you know, if it's a heart condition, we are not going to cover it. Mm. Yeah. So that's an exclusion. Uh, if they straight up reject your policy, that means that you can't even buy this uh, insurance. Mm, mm, mm. So if it's a uh, guaranteed insurability, means that, you know, before your child is even born, uh, you know, they will they will say that we will definitely allow you to buy this policy without, you know, medical underwriting for this whole life policy. Yeah, but, you know, usually it only applies to whole life. So, you know, it can be part of this package uh, mm. that you're pre-buying before your child comes out. So in that sense, guaranteed insurability means the insurer will definitely insure all the cases underneath without exclusions in that sense. Yep. Okay, yep. okay. Just on the basis that because the kid haven't come out, so there's no <laughs> other kind of medical realities that they, they handle with, so then they will, they will insure you. Yeah. Mm. Okay, yep. okay. But then the, the whole like integrated shield plan, which is the hospital side of things, that is... Uh, how, how does that work? Yes. It, it covers you for hospitalization expenses. Okay, for the kid. Yeah. So, mm. so you can imagine... Okay, so you imagine a uh, heart condition, right? So if uh, the kid has to go into hospital for treatment, then if she, he or she is not covered or being excluded from heart condition treatment, then the shoe plan, the integrated shoe plan, will not pay uh, for the treatment. Yeah, so there's a lot of out-pocket. Mm, yeah. mm. Uh, but of course, if the heart condition has not really accelerated into or deteriorate into a severe critical illness, then you know, the whole life plans will also not pay out. So mm, you're stuck mm. in you're stuck in nowhere. Of okay. course, then there are a lot of out-of-pocket expenses. Okay, so clarity here. The integrated shield plan is essentially a hospitalization plan for Correct. the kid, right? So if the kid goes mm. in and out of the hospital based on whatever the complications, yeah. the framework, then they get covered. Correct. Right? Whole life essentially is how all life insurance works, right? You must extend to some critical illness or some disability, some very big case scenario, something happened, I or some death that. scenario, then there will be a payout You're based on the premium insured. Yep, yep, that's how it works. Okay, yep, based on the sum insured. Okay, based yep. on the sum insured. Okay, mm. well, very good clarity. Okay, yeah. cool stuff. <laughs> so then I think there is a recurring theme here, right? Um, choices, you know, like um, all these different things that people have to choose with because now you're no longer alone. Mm. And you guys keep talking about communication, 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 right? So give us some tips and tricks how to communicate with your partner, you know, to come to common consensus. My sort of philosophy is, again, this mindset shift. You want to tackle you know, anything in your life uh, from a perspective that it is us versus the problem. You, know, you don't want to tackle it from the perspective that it is you versus me. Mm. It is your goals versus my goals. You, know, mm. you want to think of it as, you know, let's say there's a problem. And even if the problem is that you know, I want something, you want something. But how can we work together as a couple to tackle this so that there's family harmony? I think that is, that is very important. Yeah, it's always us versus the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and once you have this mindset, uh, I feel that you know things get better. You you tackle the problem ob- objectively. Nice, nice. Yeah. Okay, so I think I think we've covered a lot, right? From like mm. you know um, coming together, setting expectations, understanding each other's aspiration, mm. some communication tips, even the whole transition with kids, maternity, and all that. You know, I just wanna thank you. Thanks for coming on. I think we've we all learned a lot of good stuff. And anything else, they can contact you through the Provident website. Okay, take care, guys. See you awesome. Thanks, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the 
Financial Coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us, will help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have some interesting thoughts to share or know someone that you want to hear more from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Okay, so we asked everyone these questions, right? These last three questions. So keep it short, sweet, candid. Um, and one of the first questions is, what is a life principle that you hold close to? Okay, so for me, very short and sweet, my sort of core principle is that we all run our own race. Uh, the most important thing is that you want to be very clear on your purpose and priorities. And then, you know, you want to be very intentional in your decisions and choices that aligns well with this purpose that you have. Okay, so purpose-driven choices, essentially. Yes. Cool. For me, I think it's uh, about being able to make meaningful contribution uh, to the society, uh, I think, in in a diff- in any way that I can. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Okay, yeah. next question is, uh, what is a personal finance advice that you feel needs to be further propagated? For me, I'm not sure whether you know this counts as sort of a personal finance-related uh, advice, but uh, I always feel that uh, critical thinking is very important. You know, especially when it comes to evaluating uh, financial or investment decisions. You know, in general, I think that you know we can always apply a little bit more skepticism, mm-hmm. and you know, a little bit more objectivity. So even, you know, I like to talk about, you know, investments. Let's say we bought an investment, it has made money. Uh, is it due to skill or is it due to luck? Uh, we just want to be very critical. And because there's so much information and opinions out there, uh, you want to be very, you know, critical in filtering out the noise from, from the truth. One area that I think, um, you know, like I said, people don't really pay so much attention is this role of luck. Yeah, so, you know, what's the track record? If you have done well picking stocks for three years, does that mean that um, you yes, are a fantastic, yeah. you know, stock picker? And does that mean that going forward, you know, your decisions will continue to yield uh, good results? I think that's something that, you know, you, uh, most people should think mm. more deeply in. Good, I like, yeah. I like, I like the luck. Yes, really, really. I did one episode about the three things you need to be a good stock picker. The first thing was luck. Yeah. And then I got mm. one star review on Apple and I shout <laughs> <laughs> So I shout out to the guy that gave me the one star review. I still remember <laughs> you just saying. But anyway, yes. It's just, <laughs> it's just unlucky you got a listener. Like him. <laughs> one star. <laughs> okay, anyway, it's Yongchen. So for me, uh, I think we are living in a, in a world where there are a lot of information and there are a lot of information we self-select especially in this social media age. Mm-hmm. So I think the idea that we want, I want to really propagate from a fi- personal finance point of view is uh, intentionality and your needs uh, yeah, versus desire and what other people are, uh, are having, right? So like I say, yeah, I think in, in this social media age, we see a lot of people having things, uh, doing things, uh, but then we... I think we need to sit back and ask ourselves whether, uh, you know, are, are these things that we, we need? Are these things that 
is uh, people are happy having, but maybe once I get it, I might not be happy. Uh, so intentionality uh, towards uh, how we look at our money, how we spend our money, I think that's uh, one thing I, I, I think it can be better propagated in a very messy information uh, age. Uh, nice. Mm. Cool. Okay, last thing. What is something that you're putting additional focus on in your life now? I think I would say I'm putting a lot of focus on, on my work right now. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes maybe a bit too much. <laughs> yeah, so I'm... Boss the healthy, skeptic, workaholic here, huh? Boss, uh, boss not here. Yeah. Boss, <laughs> not here. <laughs> boss not here, okay. Don't need Yeah, I need to get my boss to listen to this. But first, he will say, here you say he's a salesman. Yeah, but I would say I'm trying to find that right balance, you know, setting boundaries so I don't neglect other areas uh, in my life like family, like parents and, you know, just enjoying the the simple life in general. Nice, nice. I'm learning the boundary part also, yes. I think especially COVID, you know, the boundaries start to blur quite a lot. Yes, yes, yes. In the past, you can just kind of leave your work on the desk, right? But these Mm. days, you you can't. Where's the desk? (laughs) Yeah. You? I think it goes back to being intentional. Intentional. Uh, for me, I think the focus, uh, I think it's, yeah, I think agree is about setting boundary. But when I'm in that boundary, I think I want to also to be uh, optimally in that boundary, meaning that I'm, you know, I'm meaningfully engaged because there, are be, there might be times I'm guilty. La. I might be playing with my daughter, but, you know, somebody texts me, but I might not be meaningfully engaged with her. Nice. So it's something that I want to be uh, intentional about and it's something that I'm, I think it's never going to be a finished product. I think it's something we need, I need to continue to work hard to be in. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Mm. Thanks, guys. I appreciate Thanks. our time together. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Reggie. Nice. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.